Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sam Legasic. And I'm Dreadful Dan Gallagher. And we're two old buddies that have lived our life at the edge of the mainstream. So come join us where things are a little... odd. This is the... of yours will be reduced to a burned out cinder. everybody, welcome to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming and here I am with a dreadful Dan G. Hi Dan. Hello, how are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Yeah, all the better for hearing your lovely dulcet voice. Mm, isn't it just? It's not really dulcet though. I think no. I'm quite. I think I'm quite nasally. Yeah, it reminds me of that um, the Exorcist when they tell you how they make the noise, which was like blending the sound of a, a cracking leather wallet with uh, like a sea cow that they recorded at the zoo. Right, that's my voice. <laughs> Just, it just came to mind. It just came to mind. Just to clarify. Um, well, Dan, look, I want you to close your eyes and imagine a lot of fog, a mist. Maybe you can hear like a bell ringing somewhere, perhaps even like a an alarm, a klaxon of some sort. Oh, my like God. A, a little Is tiny, it time to go to work? Oh, yeah. <laughs> a little tiny monsters running around trying to bite you. Oh, no, this isn't a flashback to Dan and I's time at primary school. This is Silent Hill.
Hill, Dan. This is a this is a game. We're going we're going with the the very first Silent Hill game here. And I would actually wouldn't mind doing an episode on every single Silent Hill game because I've played them all, apart from four, which I never finished, which I need, to, which mm. I'm I do have, and I've always went meant to go back and do it. But the first one has a very special, very um, it's a very special place next to my heart. Um, mm. What are your before I go into my whole thing with it? Tell me about you know what you've um, what you remember of it, what you've played, what you've heard since. Um, be good to get your thoughts. As soon as you mentioned it to me just then, I felt the anxiety rising. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I didn't play it extensively at the time. Um, probably, I imagine, played it with you or something. I don't think I had a copy. I did have a PlayStation. Mm. Um, but as much as I love horror films, and I would probably really enjoy a movie version of that, although not the movie version. <laughs> mm. Um I didn't enjoy the game because it's just too bloody scary. It's just too intense. Yeah, it is intense. It is I like intense. having the uh, you know a barrier between me and the uh, the entertainment. That that was too immersive for me. I was just like, oh my god! I just remember <laughs> scrabbling around in the dark, feeling really really tense, and then these horrible dwarves coming out of nowhere with like stabbing knives, um, <laughs> and it's just a horrible experience. <laughs> Yes. Why would you want to put yourself through it? Well, I did want to put myself through it and I bloody <laughs> loved it. Um, but the, so the, I was one of those people where, so I, I think people got coming, right. So basically for people that don't know, this is a Japanese horror film, a uh, film, well, it was a film, but like a Japanese horror game that was originally released in 1999 as a PS1, which obviously it wasn't called PS1 back then. It was just a PlayStation um exclusive which is by konami um and the f- i remember having um read a little bit about it in some magazines because that's the only way you got your gaming news back then there wasn't any websites or anything yeah. um or if they were you didn't it wasn't internet wasn't really a widely available thing um yet uh and um the only thing i had with it was when it came out with metal gear solid which is my favorite game maybe of all time um definitely one of them and it was a demo disc that came with Metal Gear Solid so this so it was crazy because I remember um very clearly um opening the Metal Gear Solid game and thinking oh cool there's a disc here and just looking at the artwork which is like if for people that well you can you can google it it depends what country you are it was um is what different artwork you got but the one that we got here, and I, which I think is preferable, is um, it looks like, I, th- I think it's supposed to be Elisa um, or whatever, um, but it's just, or maybe it is Cheryl, the daughter, but whatever it is, it's like a mannequin of some sort, just like still, and it's got like all this kind of grey, uh, sorry, brown, like rust or whatever over it. So it's w- weird. And I remember looking at that mm-hmm. and just being absolutely mesmerised, but like thinking, what the hell is this? Because it looks freaky. It looks freaky mm-hmm. as fuck. Um it's called Silent Hill. I was like, this is really scary. And I remember sitting with my brother, Adam, mm-hmm. and um, I think, I can't remember if we had done, I'm pretty sure I probably would have played Metal Gear Solid first because I was that excited about it. And so I don't know if I did it like in between sessions or after I completed the game or whatever. But I remember sitting down with it and the demo 
takes you up to um, uh, the kind of intro bit, which is basically you have the car crash, and I'll kind of go into this a bit probably a bit later. You have the car crash, and then you're walking around town for a bit. And then you start going down the corridors and everything gets darker and you see like a wheelchair on its side and you start seeing blood and everything starts turning into like metal grates and all this stuff and chain fences. And then you have those little things attack you and then you basically, that's when you wake up in the um, cafe. And um, that was the demo. And so obviously you're supposed to die, like you you can't complete it. Um, That's what's supposed to happen. And I remember it fucking was like, I was like, what the hell is this? This is horrific. This is uh, yeah, amazing at the same time. To the point where I remember doing it again and again. And I even got my mum to come up and play it. Because I was like, you have to see this. Like, I've never I've never seen anything like it. Yeah. And obviously she didn't know what the fuck she was doing. So it's all like, it's all like tank controls in a sense of like, you have to like turn on the spot and then walk forward in that direction. Um, if people don't know what tank controls are. It's not, it wasn't quite as intuitive as it is these days in terms of controlling um, characters in games. Um, and that is, and that started my love for it. So when it came out, I was so excited. I bought it straight away um, and I played it, but I didn't, I could not complete it because mm-hmm. I had got stuck in, I think, the hospital. Um, and then I went through that thing, which a lot of people, uh, a lot of kids these days won't even realise but where my PlayStation memory card kept getting wiped um, and losing my saves and all this stuff. Um, And I think there was a point where I had got, um, I'd got quite far, but I don't think I'd got right to the end. I think I had, um, and bear in mind as well, at this point, there wasn't like online FAQs um, and, you know, walkthroughs and whatever. It was like, I was like, I just don't know what I'm supposed to do next. Um, until, uh, and I played it off and on. I got it from the PlayStation store and then I'd start it a bit and then I'd get so far and just be like, I can't be bothered. Um, until I got it on PS, uh, PS Vita, um, cause I'd already bought it. So I got it on my Vita, which is my little PlayStation portable thing. Oh um, yeah. Um, the latest one, uh, I did have a PSP as well actually, but, um, I remember I did, and I played it on that and I did the whole thing and I was so glad that I did cause I was like, this is this makes so much more sense now, mm-hmm. having done like the the rest of the games. Um, to come back and do this, uh, the whole thing, um, is great. And it's uh, and it was also like this is what I kind of love about games. But then a lot of people, I'm afraid of a lot of things about this, saying that it's quite short. Right. Like, well, for me, this is what like the perfect ideal game length was, which was like probably about eight hours, something like that, eight nine hours. And yeah. it, that's what games used to be like. And it felt like that was enough. Like it didn't feel too long. It didn't feel like filled out or whatever. It felt very succinct. Um, It made an impression. And it also meant that it meant you could go back into it. And if you want to, you could play it in one session. You could play it an entire day if you were that bothered, especially if you'd already done it once. Yeah. Um, And I used to like doing that with the games, which they don't, you can't really do these days. Like the idea of sitting down and doing like Last of Us 2 or something like that, like, you know, it's not, that's a commitment. You can't just like pick that up and put it down. Um, so, th- so anyway, and since then Silent Hill 2 came out, that is, um, as I was saying, that's, that is probably, it's between that and Metal Gear Solid, weirdly, um, probably uh, for my favorite game of all time. I think Silent Hill 2 might be it. Um, I prefer it as a game, but I haven't played it in a while. So 
who knows? Um, and then the rest of the Silent Hills I played. I did the PT demo. Um, I did stuff for the PSP um, that came out. Uh, so I've done a lot. I haven't done all of the Silent Hill different games off the franchise, but it all stems from this first game, which is um, it's really saying something. So, um, yeah, I think, what should we do? Should we take a break and then kind of get into it proper? Let's hear some music. Yeah, why not? Create the atmosphere. I can't believe you made your mum play that in 1999. Yeah. Like a lamb to the slaughter. It's weird because when I think about it, it's like I, like mum used to play like FIFA and stuff like that. Like yeah. I think she was quite, um, I think, you know, my dad used to be a bit like that as well in a sense of they, in, they were intrigued by the medium of video games, especially during that time as well. Because yeah. all this stuff was like, like a 3D, you got to remember like these 3D models essentially of like a game was impressive like when you know playstation itself was an extremely you know we haven't had a jump like that like you know from you know the n64s or whatever well, yeah, maybe N64, yeah. But you know whatever, to um playstation there wasn't there's not been a jump like that forever like ps1 to ps2 was quite a jump um still but uh yeah we haven't had a massive jump like that and i don't know if we will ever again to be honest yeah because um, i was thinking about that earlier you know essentially we went from 16 bit to PlayStation was the big, big thing here in the UK. Mm. One, it won out that console war. Yeah, and um, yeah, I was looking. I was thinking, nineteen ninety nine uh, versus basically like the dying days of like the Mega Drive, mm. ninety five, ninety six, and there's a huge leap forward. Yeah, it's just so much more immersive and atmospheric. Mm. And maybe that, maybe that's why it was too much for me to bear. Yeah, well, that's it, right? <laughs> Just that, that demo disc. Yeah, <laughs> it's, like, it's a bit too enough. much. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's true though. Like there was not. This was the fe- well. Also, like th- contextually, right? What the Resident Evil had come out. Resident yeah. Evil um, had would die, changed the landscape, especially for horror games. Like completely, it was so successful, crazy successful. Um, so this was kind of Konami's um, counterpoint to this. But this is more like the thinking man's Resident Evil. So like, um, okay. whereas Resident Evil, it's like a bunch of military guys. It's like a zombie. It's like fucking Dawn of the Dead or whatever. Um, well, mm-hmm. probably. Well, yeah, Dawn of the Dead because they're soldiers in that. But you know what I mean? It's in a sense of like, you're you got you know how to use a shotgun. You're the your guys sent on a mission. You're these big fucking macho guys. Um, the if you remember the um, in Resident Evil, the the uh, levels are like all like pre-rendered. So yeah. you're kind of this 3D model walking around this like strangely smooth like background. Mm. Um, and there's like inventory management and and all this. But essentially it's very bright, it's very vibrant, it's very like action orientated. Whereas yeah. Was, to yeah. me it feels a bit more, you know, like Doom or something. Yeah. Like it's progression, but obviously then like thematically it's, just, you know, horror. Yeah, and it's survival horror. It's, it's like, you know, having to resource management and all that stuff. Having save points, you couldn't just save wherever. Um, all this stuff was like, you know, hadn't been done like that before. Mm. But the Silent tone Hill, and atmosphere of Silent Hill mm. just feels like 
definitely a step away in a new direction. Yes, by far. So it's more like psychological. It's more about the fear of the unknown. Mm. Colors are a lot more muted. It's not mm. vibrant at all. It's all very like, um, yeah, it's very washed out. Um, it's it, all the um, the whole level is all like three D um, created within its engine. It's not pre rendered or anything like that. Um, kind of cinematic you know, as well. Yeah, it's quite cinematic. Well, yeah, also you don't Resident have, Evil. Yeah, so you don't have a HUD with Silent Hill um, heads up display. So you've not got any indication of your um, how many bullets you've got. Any there's nothing on the screen apart from you and what you're seeing. Oh my god! Um, and all this. Uh, so yeah, and that's it. And that only came out like two or three years earlier than Silent Hill. Um, but Silent Hill was like it wasn't like horror. It was like terror kind of thing. It was like yeah. A, um, but it was also like a lot more. So whereas like, whereas Resident Evil was all like, it's got like the kind of, it's got the zombies, yes. But it's got also like, you know, some kind of monsters and all this, um, like weird, like dog things, whatever and everything. So they kind of were just like, it's like ugh, a bit like whatever. Silent Hill had like fucked up stuff in it, like weird Japanese style, like this stuff doesn't make sense. It's very yeah. strange. It had that whole element to it and um it was and it had that sense of like the supernatural as well which resident evil doesn't have resident evil's all yeah. like it's a biological mutated thing um so it's very different but it still had some of the same things like it still had like silent hill still has save points um and things like that you're still picking up items and whatever and there's maps and routes whatever and there's loads of puzzles it's the big one obviously loads of puzzles in silent hill same as Resident Evil, it doesn't make any sense who's setting up these stupid puzzles, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, um, and the amount of like, how, yeah, just the whole situation that would lead to it, but obviously you kind of take that as it as it is because it's a game. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot of things that have been um, done with that, but yeah, it was definitely its own thing. Um, and yeah, and that was it. Like, And that's why it's, you know, it's quite important to kind of explain the context about it because there was nothing else like it. Hadn't really, I mean, you could say there was some stuff that came out that was like quite similar. It's not like scary games had never been done or whatever, but to a degree like this, I don't think, um, especially to someone of, you know, our age and we're like getting into horror, especially Japanese horror was really starting to take off as well. Like yeah, shit, like the Tartan and Asian was really becoming a, um, a thing like in HMV and Virgin. Yep. You could get a lot of these cult Asian horror films suddenly became very accessible. Yeah, and this was one of the first things of that of that wave, and there's a lot of stuff yeah. kind of followed it. Um, so yeah, that's a, just to kind of give you a bit of a context uh, of it. Um, so it was created by a guy called, and I'm going to totally mess this up, but I believe it's Kichiro Toyama. Um, he only did this uh, this one game. Um, Right. And, uh, uh, well, for as in he only did this first sign, he didn't do two, three, four, et cetera. Um, uh, I don't know. Well, basically they're part of the, so there was a team called Team Silent, right? Team Silent, um, the guys who made Silent Hill, and mm-hmm. a lot of them went on to do Silent Hill 2. Um, well, to be fair, a lot of them went on to do the four Silent Hills and then Konami took it out and started giving it to Western developers. And that's when it all kind of went downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, the Team Silent, the original Team Silent, was basically made up of people at Konami who had essentially failed. <laughs> so they were like outsiders. They'd been on projects that hadn't done well, had been cancelled. Right. And they were kind of pushed together. And then they were like, um, they basically thought, fuck it. Let's just make something that we want to make. And they did. Um, and they didn't They didn't focus on thinking, how is it going to look at the mainstream or how is this going to make money? They were just like, let's just make something that we want to make that's like freaky and that tells like an emotional story and all this. Um, yeah. And that's what they did. And uh, that's what came out was Silent Hill. Um, that's so cool. Yeah. Uh, it's like a it, misfit game. Yeah, it is a misfit game. And Toyama um, had, hadn't led a... Uh, hadn't been the director of a game before. He didn't really know why he was put on it to begin with. Um, <laughs> apparently he was like, I don't know why I'm doing this, but fine. Um, and then, yeah, he left to do um, the Siren series, which is um, a similar tone. It's uh, it's quite scary. I've only played one and it was so tense and I didn't know what I was doing that um, I never played it again. Forbidden Siren, I think was the one I did. It's quite old now. They've done a few, and that's kind of the same kind of thing. It's all really freaky. It's like Japanese ghosts, whatever, and all this stuff. Um, but yeah, and a lot of the people went off to do the Siren series with him after Silent Hill 4, Team Silent, whatever, broke up. Um, some went off to Kojima Productions to work on with Hideo Kojima, who we talked about, who did Metal Gear Solid series. Yeah. Ex-Konami, obviously, um, who did Death Stranding that we covered recently. Um so, yeah, so it's a bit of a shame because a lot of people are like kind of hold up Team Silent to this quiet as these like remarkable outsiders who came up with something out of nothing. And then, yeah, basically they showed a bit of the game during I think an E3 or something and it got a lot of buzz and then Konami went, all right, let's really push this. And that's when they sunk a load of money into doing the PR that's when they um, put it with the Metal Gear Solid of things. They knew that was going to do well. Yeah. Um, and then, and, and it worked. I mean, it worked for me. That's exactly how I came to it. Um, and so they developed it on quite a small budget. Yeah, a tiny budget. Yeah, because they plowed loads of money into pushing it. Yeah, and there's loads of like, I'll kind of come on to the development um, properly a bit later, but like people, it, it, was, it was a work of love. It was a passion project, essentially. Like a lot of people, yeah. um, uh, a lot of people, we're doing stuff that um, that wasn't seen as the right thing to do, basically, or working in their own time and putting their own stamp on it because they felt passionate about it rather than Konami just didn't care by the sounds of it, to be honest, um, which is weird now when you think about it because it's one of their biggest franchises. Um, so, yeah, so what is it? <laughs> um, so in a nutshell, you you play a guy called Harry Mason, who's your like typical like everyman American dad. Great name. Yeah. It says everyman. Yeah. Harry Mason. He was actually going to be called, I'll come on to this a bit later, Humbert. <laughs> and the uh the translators oh, the translators are like no one's called Humbert. So you can't you can't you can't call him that. Amazing. It's, it's not a common name. Um but basically uh you have there's a car accident as he's driving along with his daughter Cheryl. Um, where he sees like this ghostly apparition in front of the road. Um, anyway, he swerves to avoid it, crashes the car. And then suddenly his, uh, well, we later find out adopted daughter, Cheryl, has just disappeared. Can't find her. Um, and so he goes into the fictional town of Silent Hill to search for her, basically. That's the premise. 
Um, the first thing you'll notice. fucking horrible there. And it is not a place you really want to go to. Um, one of the great things is that how they use the technical limitations of the PlayStation to its advantage. So like by having that mist and shadow, it made sure the draw distances are much nearer. So um, okay. it, it meant that they're not wasting time having to draw out all those backgrounds and all this stuff. They just yes. focused on the up close. Um, so they actually, you, they were actually able to do a lot more with it by having that mist and shadow. Which yeah, was, and that's what makes it feel claustrophobic. Yeah, very claustrophobic. Um, and it's cool as well because, yeah, as you said, like when you go in, that mist is like really scary. But then when you go into the like other world or whatever, like the pure black and it gets all like turns to metal and, and all this stuff, and you go into like the proper Silent Hill world, I guess, it is terrifying. And all you have during those bits is the light from your torch, which doesn't shine very far at no, all. And that's I it. So, and that bloody insidious clip-clopping. Clip-clopping? Yeah. I just remember like... <laughs> Live next to a farm. And yeah. you're just like scanning around in the dark and all you can hear... Oh, it's your shoes. Bloody shoes. Yeah, okay, right. Yeah, Are you wearing true. a Cuban heel or something? Yeah, it is like, for a lot of those parts <laughs> of the game and, and bits and pieces of it, it is... There is no sound. We're kind of coming to the audio later, but like, yeah, a lot of these places, it's literally just deathly quiet. Like, there's nothing. So, as you say, it's just, you just hear the steps or like as you're opening doors, like the door opening or whatever, which does add to that dread. It's like, exactly. You're, it's like you're in it. You feel very much like it's very, um, yeah, uh, pulls you in like that. They use the sort of like lack of information. That's the really great psychological aspect of it. There's a lack of vision lack of sound, like you say, a lack of information about like like what you've what you've got in terms of like ammunition and mm-hmm. and then so that all of that just creates constant feeling of dread. Yeah, it's, it's very much less is more. And then when you come up against um yeah, just the sound design in it um is incredible. Apparently like uh, and as I said, I kind of go into this. Akira, I can't remember how you say it, but Akira Yamawasa, or whatever his name is, I'll come onto it later. He's quite, who was, was known for this, but he's, you know, he, that he is synonymous with Silent Hill. Um, and he did all the sound design for this. Um, apparently, they thought it was a bug just because of all those weird, like, sound clips, sound design huh? he did. And like, what the hell's this? And it's like, it's like, what's that right? It's like, yeah. And he really pushed for it because they were like, it doesn't make sense. And he's like, that's the point. <laughs> like, um, yeah, to disturb you. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's quite interesting, but yeah, so it's weird because so when you go into like the, you've got the mist thing, which is scary, which is kind of where you start with, then you go into this like dark other world, this black nighttime thing, and then basically when you defeat that part of the world, if it's a boss, I mean there aren't very, there's there's a handful of bosses, um, or like you've solved a puzzle, whatever it is, and you go back to that white mist. It's weird because you're like, oh, thank God, and you realise that this is now like your safe space when before it was super scary to you. And that's, it's cool how that works. And that's always stuck with me, how it's like, you think something's scary and awful, it makes it even worse. So that when you take that step back, you're like, oh, thank God, I'm all right. Like <laughs> this scary thing isn't so scary anymore. It's really, I think it's such a cool thing to do. Um, and yeah, it's just, so as you said, like compared to Resident Evil, um, it's much more psychological and much more scary. And you're basically just this guy trying to make his way through this town and find find his daughter Cheryl, um, which I thought, yeah, was quite it was quite interesting. Also, like in terms of the controls, we said it's got tank controls, but it also used the uh, DualShock 
which um you know came out by this point i think it just maybe just come out i can't remember now the yeah. timeline they're pushing it quite heavily is a benefit of playstation aren't they yeah and that was um for people that don't know like the original playstation controllers didn't have thumbsticks mm. it was just the pad and the buttons and the shoulder buttons yeah. whatever and all that and then they That's added <laughs> yeah well yeah and that was how it originally came and then it added thumbsticks which was like and i can tell you now it was a fucking game changer and it was a huge deal when it came out but it also and this is one of the things it also had the vibration function in the things and that mm. was like people loved that because it just added that a bit made it added that element not reality but like you know there's something more physical that you're actually feeling get some kind of feedback from what's happening yeah. in the game in a physical extra way. sensory exactly element. and if you got hit enough and you were running out of energy um, you could always, as I said, there's nothing on screen. So you'd have to like pause your game basically to use some medicine or whatever, so health pack. Um, whereas, uh, yeah, but if you, whilst you were playing, it would be your like heartbeat and the vibration. So you'd know like, oh shit, I'm like close to death. Um, That's really good. Yeah, which is always a cool, a cool little um detail. And again, it just ratchets up the anxiety. You can actually feel your heartbeat ebbing away. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you literally feel it. Um, and yeah, a little bit more about the sound effects. So it's got the, um, you can always tell, and this is again a great feature, which they've tried to work into every Silent Hill since, really, which is the static of the radio um, mm. when something's around. So you always know like a monster's about because you suddenly hear a from the radio or whatever. And you're like, oh, fuck, there's something around, there's something near. Um, I always thought that was so cool, like, because it just, it, it makes you anxious, even mm. though you can't see anything. You just yeah. know there's something around. Brilliant. Um, it's like your spidey sense, essentially, in a audio <laughs> fashion. Um, you know, the bell at the school, and you've got the klaxon that goes off um, when, you know, things are about to get nasty. Um, and, yeah, as you're walking around, there's, like, the clanging of metal. There's, like, fat industrial fans kind of going off. There's screaming, there's all kind of weird noises, screeching. Um, and that whole sound design uh, really adds to like the effect of the whole thing. It really adds that kind of texture. It's great. Yeah, um, so really yeah, important. Yeah, very important. Um, and yeah, in terms of the actual gameplay, so you do have weapons. You've got like melee weapons and you've got guns. Um, but to be honest, it's, it's you know, it is super rare to find like ammo and stuff and you soon realize that basically you're kind of better off running um whenever you can uh to be honest um there's not really any proper aiming there's no like manual aim you just kind of gotta it's like up straight down shoot and you're not always gonna land a hit um to be honest because the idea is that he's not like a soldier yeah um, so how do yeah. you how do you fight if if you can't flee Blaze away with a gun yeah. and hope for the yeah. best. Yeah, literally. And if you're out of bullets, it'll. And if you've got to use your. Um, use your bare fists. Yeah, use your fists slash a plank of wood or whatever it is. Um, or, yeah, it was like a baseball bat, I think they've got as well. Um, but yeah, so there's. And then, yeah, it's stuff like if you run, he gets out of breath. So he feels like he, he feels very vulnerable, which I think is part of it, mm. um, which I think is quite interesting. Yeah, um, so yeah um the story should we get into the plot because this is kind of where it gets a bit a bit tricky but um i'm going to try my best to 
get through it. Um, <laughs> but I think that's part of what I imagine um, a lot of the, well, and from what I remember, the, a lot of the criticisms were about were like, a lot of people came away going, I don't know, I don't understand what's happened. <laughs> like, I don't, and I, I still don't really, even after I, um, you know, read up about it a bit. Um, so it'd be quite interesting to... Okay. Is it that convoluted? It gets quite convoluted towards the end. Yes. Okay. Because there's a lot of double crossing. Well, not a lot, but there's some double crossing. Um, twists. Some twists, yeah. And then... Sting in the tail. Yeah, and I'm a little bit confused about Cheryl, the daughter, um, and all this. But there's a general... Well, basically, so story-wise, yeah, as I said, you kind of start you uh, swerving to make sure you don't hit this astral projection of some sort, girl on the road, you don't know who that is um, at that point in time. Um and you crash a car, you wake up, Cheryl's gone, you go into the town, it's all misty, it's snowing as well. Um, and then you start, um, yeah, she's kind of leading you into tea, like Cheryl, and she's kind of like running off into the town. It feels like she's like leading you off, so it's all a bit weird. Um, and then, yeah, and then, as I said, you kind of get terrorised by these little creatures. You see like a body stripped oh up God. and torn apart on the wall. You're like, what the fuck is going on? This is horrific. And also, Sam, do those little creatures have a name? They do, but I can't remember what it is. It's like the muddlers or something like that. Uh, <laughs> it's something that's uh, that's. I find that really evocative. That's a really good name. <laughs> it's something like that. Um, but yeah, they're supposed to be like it's supposed to kind of be children, basically, um, which is what makes it like creepy. They're these little childlike yeah. monsters with knives that are just fucking stabbing at you and are yeah. really weird looking, dressed in like old Hessian sacks or something. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, this intro sequence as well, like what was cool is that it would have the cameras in really funny positions. So as you're kind of running through, it's making it awkward to kind of control, um, Mm. and all this, it's just great. Some of that stuff and some of the, um, little set pieces that they have that they've kind of been able to set up. Um, so anyway, you collapse basically after you've, you're not supposed to like kill them all because you don't have anything, um, after that little sequence in the intro, then you wake up, you're in some kind of cafe, um, and there's this lady cop called Sybil. Um, and you'd seen her earlier. She was on a bike earlier as you were driving through in your car. She was on her police bike. Um, and I believe like he goes past and it's like abandoned on the road just before the crash or something like that, something weird. Um, so she's there to investigate all these weird happenings or something. She's from a nearby town. Um, anyway, you kind of pick up your gun, you save, you get... A, a weird like bat creature comes smashes through and that's what's also cool is that it's kind of like a fuck you a little bit to resident evil because when you're walking around it feels like a safe room and in resident evil once you're in a safe room you're like safe um right safe room safe room i'm um, sorry and uh yeah so you you have a little notepad and that's how you save same thing as a typewriter except you're not limited you can save however many times you like in silent hill oh i remember yeah so you save save your game um, you save your game and uh, there's a gun. You get a gun, Sybil gives you a gun. You pick up the uh, torch or something like that. Then you hear the crack on the radio and then this thing smashes through. So you were expecting it to be like safe. Then all of a sudden you're fighting against this thing. Uh-huh. Now, I remember um, because the aiming was so bad and you had to aim up, it's very tricky on the controls and I would die a lot at this point. And I was like, if I'm dying right at the start, that isn't good. <laughs> like <laughs> this is not going to do me well. Um, because essentially I have died 
twice <laughs> already with this game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once you get uh, once you get past that bit, when you can get the controls underway, um, you then start walking around the town. And then this is what's cool because you've kind of um, uh, I can't, around this point you get like a map. But whenever you look at your map, it will it will like cross out. It will update it as you go along. So mm-hmm. things will be circled, things will be slashed where there's no entry. Um, which makes it quite cool for you to kind of ascertain where you are in the town um, and allows you to kind of explore and like fill in the gaps a little bit, but it means you don't have to remember it. I like the fact that they're like etching it down as if like he's doing it by hand as he's going along. Mm. And uh, yeah, it's cool. And some of the roads have like fallen through as if there's been some kind of earthquake or something. Um, And there's all this just like general weird stuff around like planks leading to like the back of houses and, and all this. And then this is where you start, like there's some creatures kind of about this is like dog things and the flying things again. Um, and you're just trying to kind of figure out where to go next. Anyway, the first place you do go is the school. And this is what always sticks in people's memories because it's like the first big level essentially. And it is scary as fuck. Cause you've got those weird little things like, trying to kill you for a start. Um, and then, yeah, you're trying to, you're back and forth a lot. You're trying to do these puzzles. You're trying to get this clock going in the courtyard. Um, and then you go down to the boiler room and you kill this like weird slug boss that's like head, <laughs> head like opens up as if trying to swallow you. And then that's when you've, when you beat him, it goes back to like the, uh, the gray mist. So that's all in the like industrial, like, um, other world stuff and that's what's cool is that it's like so what it does is it takes like the building that you're in so like the school Mm. and it's the same map it's the same level but now you see it from the other side and there are things there where it's like you i think it's like you know it's a cat um in the normal world yeah wish it kind of jumps out you know cat whatever and it goes off then in the other world it's a locker just full of like blood and guts and stuff um and it's oh, like that's really good yeah it's cool there's all these little like alternates so yeah. there's like doors that you can't get into or things on the wall or you know and they do this with a lot of the rest of the games as well but as if i was like, just thinking it's it's kind of lovecraftian yeah it's very much and so, actually some yeah. of the character design is a bit lovecraftian it's mm. kind of i don't know is this what's set in motion like for the next 20 years of like Lovecraft becoming a bit more um, built into the mainstream. Mm. Yeah, it's um, well, it's definitely part of it. Like, I think they've, um, I, I vaguely remember reading that they went into like a lot of old horror literature to kind of get a sense of what was kind of scary. And I guess that would kind of inspire the imagination to think of things as well, right? Um, yeah, because up until this point, it's all kind of like, you know, zombies and vampires and, kind of a bit more cartoony and almost like, you know, stuff that's been hanging around for 80 years. Mm. It's the old black and white movies, Mm. you know, in computer games, that is. Mm. Um, And this feels like, yeah, a a sort of sidestep into something altogether altogether more abominable. (laughs) Yeah, and what they did actually for Silent Hill 2 specifically is they did a lot of research into what repulses and terrifies the human brain. Wow. So things like um basically things like mixing up sex and horror um, yeah. is particularly frightening. That's why in Silent Hill 2 you've got the very famous like sexy nurses that have their whole band their whole heads bandaged up and fucked up 
and all this, but they've got like tits and legs out or whatever. Right. Um, that is something that it like something that fucks your brain up basically a little bit watching that, especially as like a young horny teenage boy. Yeah. Um, and then you've got, um, but also stuff like just general disability. So people find like limbs missing or just uh, uh, medical stuff. Um, uh, they find it scary. Um, and they did a lot of research and there's a little bit of that here. I don't think they did any necessarily any proper research, but they definitely like got inspired by a lot of what people like find scary and terrifying. Um, and yeah, so when you kill this boss thing, you see Alyssa, basically, you don't know who she is yet. Um, but it's this like just girl, basically. It's it's like a teenage girl or something or a young woman. Okay. Um, And she just kind of just appears and disappears. You're like, that was weird. Um, and then you hear church bells, you go to the church and then you basically meet this old woman called Dahlia. Um, and there's a lot of the like conversations here and going forward are just kind of a bit nonsensical. Like there's nothing really that there's nothing that's essentially driving the plot forward at like leaps and bounds. It's all a little bit nothingy or like saying things that just don't make sense yet, at least. Um, It's just cryptic and building atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah, exactly that. And she gives you something called like a, a floros or something like that and says, oh, you got... A that's what it's, that's what I always think when I look at it. I don't know how you, I can't remember how you pronounce it, but she it's gives nice, you like an, uh, an artifact. Cream tomato soup. Oh, yeah. Artifact. Yeah. Yeah. Here you go. She's probably, not a lady. Probably more useful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she gives you some sort of artifact thing, whatever it is, and then says some other stuff and runs off and she says, go to the hospital. So you're like, okay, fine. Um, when you go to the hospital, you run into a guy called Dr. Kaufman. He's just mm. sta- sitting there with a gun. I always remember that shot of it's just like this pan up. Um, and he's just sitting there with this gun in this really weird position. And he like fucking shoots you. As soon as, soon as you walk in, he basically shoots you. And then it's like, oh, thank God you're human. And you're like, he just shot you. Or like, is that supposed to have missed? Because I don't know how anyone could miss from that range. It is impossible. It's, uh, it's so weird, that bit. Um, but yeah, he's a bit like, oh, I don't know what's going on and all this stuff. Um and then you notice there's like a it's like a broken file of this like red liquid or something, which gets a bit more important later. Um and then as you're going through the hospital, it turns into the other world again. It gets dark and horrible, metal again. And you have these nurses attacking you or whatever. Um and during this whole thing as well, you run into this very pretty nurse called Lisa, who's you know, normal. Um, and again, she doesn't really clear anything up. She's just a bit like, oh great, someone else is here. Brilliant. You know, okay. Um and then, yeah, during the, during the whole part of this, Dahlia turns up again and she's like, oh, this mark can't be allowed to happen or the town will be plunged into darkness for good. You have to stop that from happening. And you're like, okay. Um, mm-hmm. And then you run into Sybil again and she and you like have a bit of a catch up and she's like, oh God, you know what's going on here? This is crazy. Um, and she says she's seen a girl on the lake or something like that. Um, and then you bump into Kaufman again Um and this is where, like, I think you can save him from one of the creatures and he gets you to do a bit of a side quest or whatever. And then um, these things are important because they play into, like, what ending you get because there are different endings for the yeah. part, um, which, again, was was relatively new um, to a degree as well. Um, like, it's not like it definitely never happened before, but it was something that's mm. quite quite cool and added to that replayability. So basically, if you have... What if you don't save him? then you get a different ending. There are five different endings. Um, so if you save him, that is a good thing. Um, 
uh, and I'll kind of come on to the kind of turning points as we go along. But this is the okay. f- this is the first one essentially, um, and then yeah. So if you help them out, um, you and also and then you you notice there's this like red liquid in this motorcycle, um, whatever. And uh, Kaufman's like, "Hey, don't touch that! What are you doing? Get off my stuff!" Kind of thing. You're like, "What is this?" And it doesn't matter. It's none of your business. But go away. Um, and then so then you meet Sybil again, and you go to this like lighthouse and then Sybil goes to the amusement park um and then you follow her to the amusement park I can't really remember why but then she attacks you because she seems to have got like possessed by something um so and then this is another turning point here you can either um you can try and save her and by doing that you have to throw this like bottle of liquid on her or you can or you can just point blank kill her um shoot her dead Um, what did you do uh I saved her I got the good, I got the best possible ending, um, I think, uh, if I remember rightly. Um, and uh, um, yeah, and basically you um, you find out um, about this. There's this woman called Alessa, Alessa, whatever her name is, um, and who's, she's shown up a couple of times by this point. Um, she looks like some like, old-timey like, ghost woman, basically. Um, and then... Uh, yeah, so you you find out basically that she's there was a fire, um, and Dahlia's uh daughter is Alyssa, and you're like, oh right, okay, oh god, um, and the reason why Dahlia gave you this thing and is sending you on this quest is so that um she couldn't get close to Alyssa. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. But you can. Um, and so you trap her with this artifact, which is her whole plan all along. So it's a bit weird. But the whole thing of going to the hospital was that you saw like this bed that Alyssa had been in that was like, just mm. looks like manky. It looks like someone's been like, it's like fucking Fritzel cave or something. And it's like, there's all these devices <laughs> and it's like torturous, like stuff. It's really horrible. It's like, it really fucks your bed up when you go in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. So hang really, on, let really me, nasty. let me get it straight. 
So you're exposed to that to make you susceptible to be able to reach out to Alyssa and trap her in your artifact, which is a thermos. Yeah, yes. So you thought that you were, like, saving the world by, like, using this thing, which you kind of are, but we'll kind of come on to that. Whereas, in fact, um, or saving Silent Hill, anyway, whereas, in fact, you're actually working... um, you're working for the bad guys, but you just didn't realize it. So you've, you've like now like trapped her or whatever. Um, oh, but does that happen then? Cause suddenly you're like back in the hospital. Um, yeah. Suddenly you're back in the hospital. This is where it all gets a bit weird. Cause there's, there's like a point where you, it's weird. It's a point where maybe that happens towards near the end. I really should have thought about this more, but it's basically a point where you like go to like an altar and you put an axe on it and then you suddenly disappear and Sybil's like, where have you gone? And then you wake up and you're back in the hospital with Lisa and she's like starting to bleed everywhere. Um, and then anyway, you find out that basically she was the nurse that was attending to Alyssa all this time. Um, but like she was being kept there um, against her will and Lisa was doing it in return for some drug. She was some kind of drug addict and Kaufman was giving her drugs in exchange for her looking after this Alyssa woman. Um, and then you see them, it's like a flashback of like Dr. Kaufman, um, Dahlia and a couple of other doctors that are talking about this like cult and the rebirth of God. And you start realizing, okay, it's getting all like religious and weird now. Um, but yeah, so basically, and then, oh, fucking hell, it's so, so weird. So you find out Cheryl and Alyssa, so your adopted daughter and Alyssa are basically two halves of a whole. Dahlia, right. Dahlia is part of some cult. They sac- She sacrificed her own daughter in this fire ritual um, to bring out this rebirth of God. But Alyssa has this like power or whatever and she's basically able to split herself into two one of which so like almost like the kind of good and bad one of which was cheryl um that harry mason and his wife uh found at the side of the road the wife died like a few years back um, yeah. and you find out that basically Alyssa had called cheryl back to silent hill via basically dahlia slowly torturing her over a number of years um so, Ooh. yeah, uh, which is really horrible. Um, so the idea is that Alyssa can get, all, and if someone correct me if I'm wrong, but Alyssa can get all her, she's like becoming this powerful being um, and she basically has been trying to kind of get rid of Silent Hill um, and kill herself basically at the same time so this God thing can't be born. But because Harry has basically trapped her, this it now means that the two are aligned and this evil, this God, which is essentially like a satanic thing, um, is now like born. So it's a bit weird. And the way they do it, like, is that there's just this like Dahlia basically turns up with some, there's a thing in a wheelchair and it's just like this like mummified, tortured like thing. It's all completely bandaged up and fucked up and bloody and like just there on this thing. And then they're like, oh yeah, this is Cheryl. This is your daughter. And it's also Alyssa. It's all one and the same. And you're like, what? And it's really like messy. And all this is happening in the dark world. 
so anyway, this is when you, it, this is basically the end of the game. So um, you find out basically that if, um, if you saved Kaufman, he appears with this red vial and throws it on the monster, on the, sorry, on, well, whatever she is now, Alyssa, I guess. Um, but either way, this thing turns into like this evil God thing, which you can't get away, which is the final boss. And it's like this weird, like fucking goat skull head with wings. And it looks like a proper satanic, weird devil boss. And anyway, you have to kill it. So you run around and you shoot it, blah, 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 blah. Um, and then once you kill it, this is when you get the different types of endings. So that's basically the game. So the different endings you get, you get... Um, hey, well, I'm exhausted after all that. Yeah, it's I really intense. Absorb that. Yeah, and this is why it's like, I didn't quite get it because I was like, so sh- I don't really understand where Cheryl is if you're not where she physically is or if she ever physically existed in the first place. Um, if that makes sense, whether she was just like some, I don't know, some ghost that was just brought up. Um, yeah. But, and yeah, I'm a little bit unclear as to, and someone's probably going to be out there going, oh, you idiots, really fucking simple when you're just not getting it, which might also be possible. But um, essentially it's about Alyssa being a carrier for like Satan. It's what it comes to. Do the two halves exist on these two separate planes? I don't know. I don't know. Mm. Maybe. Um, The film does a better job of it. I know we'll kind of get onto that, but I vaguely remember the film making more sense than the game did, but the film is kind of an amalgamation of Silent Hill 1 and 2. But um, I was thinking that in the back of my mind, but um, all right, well, let's let's go through the endings and then we can... uh, Go through the films. Yeah. So you get what's known as the good plus ending, which is where you've saved Kaufman and you've saved Sybil. So Sybil will try to shoot Dahlia, but fails. Alyssa and Cheryl merge. Alyssa, sorry, whatever. And they become, apparently it's, this is me reading it off, but apparently it's called the Incubator. <laughs> which is quite a cool name. It kind of makes sense. Incubator for evil. Yeah. But yeah, pretty much. Kaufman appears, shoots Dahlia, throws the red liquid at the incubator when it gets hit it falls to the ground screaming the incubus emerges from the back um the incubus then kills dahlia harry fights and defeats the god the incubator gives him a baby who will later on be heather mason in silent hill 3 um which is a whole other thing which which we'll come on to. What does the incubator look like? I'm imagining a horrible big sort of like no, fleshy so the, box. Yeah, so the big no, the it's a it's like a Virgin Mary kind of thing. It's like a she's all like pretty and shining light and in a long white dress and okay. all this. So it's something a bit more like um angelic about yeah. it. Yeah. Um and then so yeah, um so the incubator, whatever, gives gives him a baby. Um, and so it's like, oh, and just points to the escape route. So Harry, Sybil and Kaufman try to escape, but Lisa, um, who's like covered in blood, the nurse, drags Kaufman with her back into the abyss. Um, and Harry and Sybil continue to escape. They go out of the way. And then the whole world is kind of collapsing in flames, like the other world or whatever. Um, and then, yeah, it kind of, if I remember rightly, it slows like the incubator, whatever the good angelic demon, <laughs> or whatever. 
um, it's able to like slow the destruction. So then it kind of like all pauses and they're able to run out before it collapses. And then um, every, everyone dies apart from Sybil and Harry and they escape with the baby, basically. And they're like, oh, okay, here's the baby. So that's kind of like the canon ending for this mm. um, that kind of goes into what more importantly, Silent Hill 3. Um, so, yeah. And then you've got the the good ending. So like where you've, um, you've killed Sybil, but you saved uh, Kaufman. Um, so Alyssa and Cheryl merge again, all that's the same. Kaufman appears, shoots Dahlia, throws the red liquid. Um, then you, uh, all that stuff is the same. You defeat the um, incubus, incubator, incubus, whatever, um, and you run out. But as you escape, he, Kaufman again gets stopped by Lisa. Um, Harry makes it out to the highway instead on the outskirts of the town. And he's there just staring up at the sky um, as he's holding this baby. And it's and that's it so he's like by himself and he's a bit like like what did i do i believe this is generally seen as the normal ending that people would get um because i don't think they necessarily know how to save sybil they would probably kill her because they see her as a threat and Mm -hmm. then and they would probably save kaufman because that's you know the right thing to do or whatever then you've got the bad plus ending okay that sounds good which is where um you uh well bad bad plus which i would well, say bad plus you don't <laughs> you basically let kaufman die or whatever um and you but you save sybil so this time uh what happens is that um uh dahlia gets killed by the incubator sybil appears and tries to kill dahlia but fails then you've got the boss battle then um as it's like as she's like just this like crumbling she becomes the incubator again she's like a, she's like thank you daddy i've i love you i miss you or whatever and dies and harry's like just in tears basically because he's like cheryl cheryl no cheryl and all this stuff because essentially he's just fucking killed his daughter um that's a bit grim yeah really fucking grim sybil comes over kind of smacks him up a bit <laughs> get yourself together man <clears throat> and then they like go to escape Quite intense. Um, then, uh, and then this is the one which I was like, which um, stuck with me the most, maybe. And this is if you you don't complete the Kaufman side quest and you kill Sybil. Um, everything happens the same way as I just said with the other one. Um, but uh, what happens is that you, when he's like going, oh, Cheryl, it cuts and you just see him still in the jeep bleeding from his head in the car like it was right at the beginning right. so as if this is like his death dream yeah and that's it like the uh ending of jacob's ladder yeah yeah or as some people say like the like well not well it's like twin peaks people have always said like twin peaks is laura's death dream it's not yeah, yeah. um it's not actually happening it's what laura wished you know, would happen once she's dead. In a split second. Yeah. This whole thing going on about how she's like, oh, Laura Palmer, and she's all special and stuff. Um, Too good to be true kind of thing. Then you've got another ending, which is where UFOs turn up. No. Yeah. Um, And it's done for (laughs) jokes, and it's kind of a franchise staple to have a joke ending in the Silent Hill games. 
Silent Hill 2 joke ending is my favourite. Um, okay. Which is where um, it's a little, do- a little dog, I think, or a little monkey that's at a big control panel that's pushing all these switches. And you can see cameras of stuff in the game as if like he's been just controlling everything from this st- tiny little room, <laughs> uh, which is quite funny. But this one is a UFO one where, and you have to use this like channeling stone. It's an item you get and you have to use it specific places, I believe. Um, you see some UFOs in the sky. You're like, hey, you know, cool. But it's all like animated as if like a 50s sci-fi style, which is quite nice. And basically they zap him and beam him up and they disappear um and that's the end uh, so that it's, good. yeah it's a bit silly um yeah so it's uh, it's quite interesting um probably a bit annoying after eight hours of playing the game if that's the ending yeah i mean you have to know what you're doing to kind of get that ending so okay. um yeah it's for people you have to post, seek it out yeah it's for people that want to seek it out um and that's basically it in terms of the story so it's quite dark um i don't think it's as strong as the um Silent Hill 2 in terms of story but it's a good it's a good setup it's a good thing of like, it's, you know, the, just the conceit of like, it's one man trying to save his daughter. Um, yeah. And getting wrapped, literally going to the depths of hell to kind of do that, I think is strong. Uh, yeah. Some of that storyline towards the end is actually by the by, really, isn't it? It's more about the uh, outline of the story, what you're doing, and the, the tone and the feel. Exactly. Um, and it, although it's, I mean, they could have made that a bit tauter. It sounds pretty confusing towards the end. Yeah, and maybe I probably haven't summed it up well enough, but that's um, maybe there's someone out there who's like, yeah, you're an idiot. This is kind of, this is it's clear as day. Um, but Toyama, as you said, the director, um, he loved his Lynch movies. So I think the fact that there's oh, not like a clear story and it's a bit dreamish and nightmarish is actually, you know, part of the appeal maybe. Yeah. Um, so how did that translate to the big screen? So, yeah, so Christoph Gans, um, I remember being in Thailand when this film came out and I went out on launch day by myself, um, people are travelling with, um, uh, to the cinema to go see it. I remember riding on a scooter um, and on the back of this guy's scooter, there and yeah. back, um, it wasn't the same guy, but as in I remember I... He, on the way back afterwards, after I watched the film by myself, which is just a bit sad in in Bangkok, um, I almost died about five times because this guy was going so fast and he was being absolutely insane. And I think he was forgetting because I'm quite tall. Um, I'm a big guy, but like back then I wasn't like, I was relatively thin, but I was still like big. Um, and I don't think he realised how big I was because my knees were almost clipping a lot of the cars that he was kind of zooming by. And I remember like really squeezing in and I was right next to him because you're right up to these guys. So like my Willie was basically on his butt in his bum almost like, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, he did it, but he was just going so fast. It was crazy. Um, and I specifically remember that, but yeah, I remember seeing the poster for it and I remember being so excited. I was like, I can't believe there's a Silent Hill film and it's coming out. However, when I went to see it, I visually, I thought it was spot on. Okay. I thought That's the cool. Grey Mist was great. I didn't mind the acting either, actually. It had Sean Bean in it. It had, oh, I can't remember the woman's name. Um, it had Laura Lauren Holden in it as well, Sybil, um, and a few other people who were, you know, good actors and actresses, and or they were actors, I suppose. And um, it had Pyramid Head from Silent Hill 2. Story um, was kind of trying to, mesh together the two points but visually it looked great it was just a little like um i don't want to say boring 
but it's just that classic like game to movie thing where it's like they feel like they're ripping off the story and they're trying to feel the beats where it's like why don't you do your own don't just do the story again do your own story that works for film for this because like game plots are notoriously a bit thin on the ground when it comes to stuff like this such as as we've just discussed with this but you've got the you can still have that premise of like a guy looking after well in this case it's a woman going after her daughter um and all that and uh yeah so it's um generally i think it's not bad i don't think it's terrible i think visually it stands up pretty well i just think it i was like could have been better such a shame but could it have been better i don't know there is a silent hill 2 film which we're coming to which is which is more silent hill 3 to be honest actually okay um which is kind of based on silent hill 3 and it's got um what's his name from game of thrones um king of the north I uh, can't remember his name, the, you know, Snow, basically John Snow guy. Um, but this was before he did Lord of, the, uh, Lord of the Rings, before he did Game of Thrones, or maybe it had just been around the same time. But that is like dreadful. So I saw that whole film and I can remember nothing. I remember yeah. absolutely <laughs> nothing about it, whereas I can pretty much remember the entirety of the first Silent Hill film. Um, so none of those supporting characters are in the first film. There's no Harry, no Harry Mason. No, no, Kaufman. no. Well, there is a Harry Mason. Um, I don't know if he has the same name, but the Sean Bean character is supposed to be that. But the okay. mum is the main character, but she's not in Silent Hill. And I thought it was quite good having like the having the mum as a main character trying to do something different. Um, but Sybil's in it. Dahlia's in it. But Dahlia is seen as a more sympathetic figure, so she's not like this evil thing. She's just like a mother who regrets setting her daughter on fire and she doesn't really know how to deal with it. So, um, you've still got the whole satanic cult. And still got the cult. This idea of two entities embodying one. Yeah. I think that it's like, I think instead of it being, it's two people in one. Oh God, I should have really watched this film for us to talk about it too much. I think it's that Alyssa's, Alyssa's daughter is this woman. It's this little girl. So not that it's like the girl. So not that the girl is um, like half, half of a thing. Half of a thing. Yeah. It's that yeah. Um, there's like an evil her and a good her. Um, but it's like two separate daughters. Um, Which to me sounds a bit more straightforward for the big screen. Yeah. And it, and it was. Um, but there's some really cool bits in that. They've got Pyramid Head. All the Silent Hill stuff is great. The same the composer did the music for it as well, so that all fits in. And they've oh, got a cool. cool sequence where it's like the hospital bed with her all like burnt up. I think it is that, and you know, it's like goes and kills everyone in this church or whatever. It's all um, it's all interesting, mm-hmm. and I I'd be quite up for like watching it again. Um, yeah, maybe I'll watch that sometime. Yeah, it's it, if you like. I mean, like that's the thing is that there was definite. Visually speaking, there's a definitely a lot of fan service and it did it, it did that stuff really well. Um, but yeah, it just was, it was just a little bit thin. Like it just felt, and especially if you're going in, it's just like Joe Bloggs and you don't know what Silent Hill is. You'd probably be like, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't get it. Um, yeah. But yeah, some, there's some really good bits in it. Um, cool. So yeah, in terms of the development as well, um, I was reading about this one guy and I thought it was quite interesting. Um, but there's a guy called Takayoshi Sato, who um, apparently worked on the on the plot and he helped train people up basically in the 3D uh, modelling. Um, 
which was uh, very quite new at the time. And he and from that he was able to design the game's cast. Um, but because he was quite a young employee, um, he was given like he was just told to do like font design and admin or whatever. Um, but yeah, he created the 3D demos and presentations, and he also started teaching the older staff members. Yeah, as I said, like how to do the 3D modeling. But because he wasn't credited for his work, because he wasn't old enough, he was just seen as a junior thing. He basically went to management um, and made like a short demo movie that he'd rendered out. And basically was like, I'm not going to teach anyone how to make this stuff <laughs> um, unless you assign me to do this. Unless this becomes my thing, I'm just not going to tell anyone else how to do it. And so Good they were, man. And they were like, okay. Um, and they so they let him do it. And he did the character designs as well. So, um, oh, I love that. Yeah. So it's really, it's, you know, stood up for, for you know, good for him. And instead of like going on illustrations, which a lot of games do, he, he basically conceived the characters, um, as he was doing their CG models, um, which I thought was quite cool. How do you mean? So he, he, well, instead of like, I'm going to draw a character and then I'm going to do a CG representation of it. He kind of went, you know, um, back to front. So he did the computer generated Pl- models first and then playing around with the technology yeah. and the limitations. Yeah. He was like, this is like kind of what I want them to kind of look like in a 3d world. And then he worked backwards from there to like how they should look in the actual game. That's and cool. Stuff, which is quite interesting. Um, and I should say like with all those, that whole look, because they look like, they look weird. They look like porcelain dolls almost. It's all very like, they look very pale. They look very like, um, old timey almost and especially with the colours as we said they're very muted um, and all this I just love that aesthetic I love the aesthetic mm. he did with that um, but yeah he tried to kind of give each one their own like distinctive characteristics um, and all this and apparently yeah he was he couldn't because he didn't have any basically Caucasian friends out there or whatever he found it apparently quite difficult just to get the faces right and all this stuff for them because um yeah because he didn't he didn't have any um americans basically to work with um so yeah he was uh, he did basically all the cinematic sequences and the characters um and he was still not given full credit for his work um so uh instead he was like okay fine i'm gonna do um the the fmv so the full motion videos you know the, the cutscenes basically yeah. of Silent Hill like all by myself I don't want anyone helping me I'm just gonna sit and do it and I want credit basically I don't want anyone assigned to help me or be supervised on me so over two and a half years he lived in the development team's office and he had to render the scenes with um all these computers of his co-workers after they left work at the end of the day so obviously as, as we know like to render you need a lot of computer wow. power to kind of get it out so the yeah. only way he could do it, yeah, was just to kind of get all his co-workers' computers together after they left for work and start the render, which is insane. That's awesome. Awesome commitment. I love that. Two and a half years. Like, I don't know, like, you could only do that when you're young. It's just, it's yeah. mad. Um, yeah, and we'll talk about some of the names as well. So um, a lot of the uh, creatures, creature designs, a lot of the names, all this stuff, all... Um, to do with uh, certain books or whatever. So you've got um, Alessa or Alessa, whatever it is, which was apparently from The Lost World by Arthur Conan Doyle. Um, oh, yeah. And also, like, apparently Alice's Adventures in Wonderland. There's an, an Alessa or Alessa. I Probably just Alice. Know. 
Oh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, of course, actually. Uh, idiot. Um, uh, apparently, um, Cheryl Mason's first name is based on the actress Cheryl Lee. Um, Lisa Garland, the nurse. Cheryl Lee. Cheryl Lee from Twin Peaks. Yes, Dan. Cheryl Lee from Twin Peaks. Yeah. Another little Twin Peaks link. Exactly. Another Twin Peaks reference. Um, it's funny because I've actually got, um, I should know that properly because I've actually got a little picture of her up on the wall and I've got a picture of her there as well. Um, which is a bit weird. On the ceiling. On the ceiling. That's, that's right very weird. Me. <laughs> Just looking down at me. And yeah, try to make it my, try to make the room generally as Lynchian as possible. Um, uh, and yeah, Judy Garland, um, as in Lisa Garland, um, Wizard of Oz and all that stuff, uh, which I think is, yeah, kind of like a weird reference there. Um, and then you'll love this one. Michael Kaufman is a combination of Troma Studios producers, Michael Hertz and Lloyd Kaufman's first name nice. and surname respectively. Um, <sighs> yeah, uh, Alyssa's original name was apparently going to be Asia and Dahlia's was going to be Daria. Um, which apparently was based on the first names of actresses Asia Argento and Daria Nicolodi, which is Argento's mother. Cool. Um, Harry's name that's was cool. originally Humbert, as we said. <laughs> Cheryl's was Dolores. Um, apparently that's in reference to um, Lolita. Uh, but apparently yeah, Humbert, they, Humbert. Yeah, um, but apparently they, yeah, they were like, yeah, no one's called that, so just don't do it. Um, so hang on, who was coming up with these names? The development guys at Konami? Development team silent. The development team because they're all references mostly to like um yeah more like Western and American culture. Yeah, so. yeah, but that's what they went just, for. That's what they wanted to do because obviously it's set like because it's Japan, but this is set in a, yeah. an American town, so that's why they were trying to use as much of that stuff um as possible to kind of get an inkling for it. But obviously it had that Japanese edge, and I always think that's the best when it's like where East meets West, and um especially being a Westerner. Um, yeah, I always feel like that's kind of the best stuff sometimes. Um, in terms of its release, it did it did really well. Um, it got a lot of eights, nines, stuff across the board, generally speaking. I know we'll kind of go into reviews in a bit. Um, it's it sold over 2 million copies at that time, which is pretty good um, for a, a PlayStation game um, at that time. Stonking. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. Um there's been different versions of it. So there is a, like a reimagining of Silent Hill called Shattered Memories, um, which I have and I've actually never played. So that was released in 2009 um, and 2010 and it came to PlayStation 2 and PS4. It was re- released on the Wii, I think, first actually, which is weird. Huh. Um, and it got, yeah, it got quite positive reviews, which is why I think I should have maybe picked up, which is probably why I picked it up in the first place. Um, but it's, a little, it's supposed to be a little bit different, but still kind of play with the same uh, same themes. But it's some, there's part of it, which is something like um, you're going through like therapy and the game world changes compared to the answers that you give during your therapy, which is quite mm. surreal and interesting. Um, weird. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Um, and yeah, and then um, I think, well, that's kind of it now. But um, I don't know if we should take a... We should go into the music side of things and go maybe into Nerd's Corner. Um, what do you think? Let's head there. Let's go there, Nerd's Corner. What's in Nerd's Corner? Well, Dan, um, I thought it might be good to talk about Akira Yamaoka. And I don't know if I'm saying that right. He's the composer um, and... 
he is seen as like a part of what makes Silent Hill so amazing just because the music, the sound, and this goes for like all those, um, all all the Silent Hill stuff really, but um, especially those first few games was just unlike anything before. Um, It has its own, it's got his, it's his own style to it. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, but he did all the, for this game, he did the, the music, did all the sound design as I said before he did all the mastering himself um very heavily influenced by Twin Peaks um he pushed the whole industrial noise thing um and it's just it's just great you've got that but the main intro theme which has that like mandolin kind of guitar and then like the big melancholy like rock guitars that come in afterwards um, yeah it doesn't feel like it feels like quite epic um, that song, especially to like open up the game with, but yeah, as you're kind of going through, it's just the music just sounds like unhinged. It sounds <laughs> like weird and strange and that, yeah, unsettling constantly. Um, I would say that it's kind of hampered a little bit for the fact that it's probably where well, it's a lower budget, but also um, it's PlayStation. So it's fairly simple and there's only so much you could obviously fit onto a disc um but yeah. what it does it does really well um so you can get this on uh, vinyl i've got it on vinyl um i've got the mondo have you now yeah i've got the mondo version i've got two ver- i've got two of them actually i need to get rid of one sell it um but yeah in white um which is uh, i think the rarest one um okay uh what's on the cover how have they the, uh, incorporated the artwork the cover is the um the car crashed up on white um so it's quite simple um i wouldn't say it's my favorite cover but i quite like the fact so i quite like the fact that it's like obviously it's the one thing that instigates the whole thing in the first place the fact that he's had this like car crash or whatever Um, but also i thought it kind of reminded me as i was saying earlier about that ending where it's all just in his head um (laughs) i thought maybe it's like it could potentially be harking back to that um, that thing of like it's actually just a death dream, and he's just still sitting there in that in that car. Um, so I thought what would you like to have seen there on the cover? I don't know. I don't know. Nothing. I don't think like seeing a monster or something would be good or, or worth it. Um, I think just like all dark with that little tiny bit of flashlight. Yeah, and then maybe maybe when you pull the sleeve out, then you see one of those horrible little stabby things. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, there's <laughs> there's that. There's um, I mean, like, that is the prevailing image that I associate with this game. Yeah, <laughs> and feeling. Yeah, I mean the Silent Hill two one, which is like, um, I believe it's like a, a silhouette. I've got it here. I could just look at it, but I believe it's like a silhouette of, um, the uh, protagonist. I can't remember his name now. Um, and then you've got the eyes of the woman in it looking over. And, you know, when we come on to that, that, that like is indicative of like what happens throughout the, the game, her kind of like watching over him and almost like it's like her world a little bit, which is kind of what it kind of is um, in its own. A bit like you looking at your Cheryl Lee picture on the scene. Yeah, exactly. It's not too, not too dissimilar. Um, (laughs) uh, But yeah, so I quite like it as a cover, but I don't think it does anything like there's nothing that screams Silent Hill out to me with it. Cause in theory as well, 
I I think it's like a Jeep or something. I can't remember, but I don't, I'm not that familiar with the car. It's not like, it's like... Iconic. Huh? Yeah, it's not like an iconic car where you're just like, like you don't even, I don't even think really you see the whole thing in one shot. <laughs> if you know what I mean? It's kind of all like interiors or like, you know, might pan out a little bit, but it's not like, oh, that's, you're not going to see it and be like, oh, that's a Silent Hill car or whatever. So a truck, yeah. I should say. Um, Mondo are good, but sometimes they get it wrong. Yeah. If it was like the radio... Or like Sybil's, I don't know, like Sybil's outfit. I don't know, something weird like that. What about that that fetid deathbed? Yeah. Some horrible bloodied rags. Yeah, maybe. Um, Or just like... Bloodied rag, coloured vinyl. Yeah. Or something to do with like the cult. If they use some of the the cult symbolism, yeah. Um, That might have worked. But it's not not bad. I just a bit like, okay, you went with that, did you? Yeah. have you listened to it at all, the soundtrack? Not independently, no. Um, no. Only with other people. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, I'm a social beast. Yeah. It's uh, it's a bit of a tougher listen than Silent Hill 2, only because it is um, Silent Hill 2 feels more, it's just, it's just better quality for a start, as in like, it's more like songs and it's more, there's more to it. There's obviously more product, uh, more money's gone into it. Whereas with this, it's very sparse. Mm. It's quite difficult to listen to. I mean, you have it on as background, but keep in mind that it's like a Silent Hill background. So, mm. you know, it's very like heavy industrial, a lot of clangs and pistons mm. and all this stuff and weird kind of things around it. So, um, and it's a bit relentless. <laughs> um, That's why it's good in the game, though. Yeah. Just, you know, it is a score. Yes. Movie. Exactly. Perfect uh, for the game. I, oh, yeah. Not, not movie game. <laughs> yeah. Well, and movie as well. But, like, there's, it's not, um, obviously, there'll be more money for that movie soundtrack. But it's not the most, uh, it's not the best. It's not something I'd, I would be like, I'm going to listen to the Silent Hill 1 soundtrack today. I just have to. Um, it's not so much that it's its own thing and that's fine. Um, yeah. And it's great. But yeah, Silent Hill 2 where he's got a bit more money, he's been able to play around a little bit more is, is more worth it in my opinion. Um, so yeah, so that's it for Nerds Corner. But Dan, I've heard you've got some reviews. Is that right? The people have spoken. Let's hear them. Let's go there now. I mean, you said let's um, have a look at the reviews earlier. You mentioned eights and nines across the board. Yeah. But uh, at the that's time. the media. Yeah. The corporate media shills. Yeah. We've gone straight to the people here to get the uh, word on the street. What is the word on the street? Well, Lecky says, one star. Oh, no. Not what I was expecting. <laughs> It's something to do with the delivery process. <laughs> it's just a different no, kind. I've, I've stayed clear of those. There are quite a lot of those complaints. <laughs> yeah. Um, he says, the graphics are horrible. Yes, it's an old game, but you can barely see anything. <laughs> yeah. More annoying than scary. Don't waste your money. <laughs> I can hardly see anything. It's true. It's true. <laughs> Um, Ian Hines. Mm. Ian Hines. Hi, Ian. 
Um, that's hi- not Heinz baked beans. H I N E S. Yeah. What? Two stars. Right. So he liked it twice as much as Lecky. Double. Yeah. However, sorry, but I can't stand the gameplay. Uh, tank controls. I love the story. Did you? And this is what started the series. Yes, fact. <laughs> but I hate the game itself in terms of gameplay. Right. The controls are a bit unresponsive. The combat is a joke. And the Prima strategy guide is an outright marketing <laughs> scam. <laughs> yeah. I just had to tell the truth of what I think about this. Gameplay is so bad for me that it just ruins the entire thing for me. Mm. I'd rather just watch someone play it with no commentary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is kind of what we were talking about um, before we started recording, which is like, it's slow and cumbersome, but that's also part of why I like it. Um, I like the idea that it's not like rapid fire, that he's like, he doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, Yeah. And it feels like you're drenched in this world and wading through it rather than like, okay, next one, got to get to the next checkpoint, got to do whatever. You're like... Yeah, you're you're kind of flailing about with this constant knowledge that there's an imminent threat, like a a small goat that's being crushed in the coils of a boa constrictor. Yeah, exactly. Got one more for you here. Okay. Sheila D. Sheila D. Did she? Sheila D. Three stars. Okay. Meh. <laughs> I do love a good meh. The game worked. Yeah, good. However, if you let the opening sequence play, it would inevitably get stuck. You had to skip ahead to the main menu. It also gets stuck sometimes during gameplay and has to be reset, and the controls don't always respond. I'm not sure if this was an issue before it was shipped or if it was damaged during shipping. God. So that is a review of the whole game by Sheila D. Especially if she's got like a fucking scratch disc or something. What a tit. There's a lot of people buying like weird, shitty bootleg versions on Amazon. It's quite funny, actually. <laughs> it's all the one-star one, one star reviews. Jesus. People are completely confused. Anyway, that's the reviews yeah. this week. Any, anyone's loving it? Any good uh, reviews? Almost everyone. Okay. Almost everyone. That's good, good. Let me see. I can pick a five-star one here. You... I'm interested if there's anyone who feels this is better than the second game. Not that you're going to feel like, not that you're going to find that. <laughs> in three seconds yeah. but um i always for me the second one was always like this the first one was great and it was one of those weird things where the sequel was better which does happen quite frequently in games and that's not just from a technological it's not because of a technological um the, you know process where it's you know they can do more um mm. i also think just in many ways i feel like everyone kind of stepped up their game and evolved and obviously konami um, would have given them a lot more um, license to do what they want, I imagine. Here's a five-star from lovely Lola. Lola. Great game. Yeah. Atmospheric music combined with horror and gore make this game one of my favourites. Mm. Although at times I was too scared to play. <laughs> oh, Sympathise with you, Lola. <laughs> 
La 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 la. Well, yeah. I mean, hats off that she's, uh, you know, she got through it. Um, she's probably like eight years old. <laughs> I want to do, um, now that like lockdown's kind of easing up a little bit here, in a way. Um, yeah, I'd be interested to, uh, to see you do Silent Hill 2 um, and how you feel about it. The problem with Silent Hill 2 is that luckily I have the Silent Hill 2 PlayStation 2 original disc. But I don't know if you knew uh, this. Um, I don't know if, if, why anyone would know this apart from me. But um, there is an HD remaster, right, they did of Silent Hill 2 and 3 that they uh-huh. put together. Um, or maybe it's just mm-hmm. two. I'm pretty sure it's two and three. Um, the problem was is that they lost the final code for Silent Hill Two, so they had to get a backup of uh, of of the not the final code in order to remaster that to release an HD version of it. And no. yeah, and um, it is shocking. You can see tons of stuff online comparing why it's so much worse um, and all the stuff that it loses um, by tr- by trying to do an HD master of, of the unfinished um, code of the game. Oh, that's hilarious. It's insane, isn't it? <laughs> they can't find it. It's gone. Yeah. And I was just thinking, that's crazy. can't you just rip it off like a... But no, you can't. So I've got the Silent Hill 2 original PS2 disc, which might play on... <laughs> I don't think it'll play on my PS4 or PS5. Might play on my PS3, which I've still got. I've not got my PS2. I don't know where that is anymore. I've probably sold that. But um, you've not got an original PlayStation. I won't put in that. That's Silent Hill One, anyway. Um, what's about Silent Hill Two? Which is on oh, Two is on the PS2. Gotcha. So um, yeah, so it's difficult now to find because obviously everyone can army just keep pushing out the HD one remaster one, but it's actually inferior. Um, so people want the original disc. Yeah. So the only way to play it properly is to play it the way it's intended, and that's with that original PST disc, which I've got. So I'd be interested in um, driving up the price. <laughs> no, I want to keep. I'm keeping that forever, mate. The fact that the, that's not <laughs> out there, the fact that you can't even get a hold of it, um, it means something, and it's like my favorite game of all time. So um, yeah, uh, I'd be interested in you playing that um, because it's a whole it takes that whole emotional hook of the first game and just like times it by 10. Um, it's weird. It's insane. And it's very Lynchian and Twin Peaks and weird. Um, but it's also got an, a story that actually does make sense in its own way. Um, and it's also got, Sounds cool. it's got better monsters and shit. Um, Maybe I'll come around. We can do a, like a, an all nighter. Yeah. Horror sleepover. Yeah, I have to. I think you Silent can. Hill I think two. you can do something or two in nine or ten hours, probably still. Um, but obviously, that's if you know what you're doing. So it'll probably take longer than that. But yeah, we can do it over like a weekend or something, maybe. Um, but yeah, so I think that's next up. Um, uh, we're not literally next up, as in that's um, going to be one of the future episodes we do. Silent Hill two. In the grander scheme of things. Yeah, it's on the list. Um, and yeah, that's Silent Hill 1. And Dan, thanks for um, going through this with me. My pleasure. It was terrible reliving the horror. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can appreciate that. Um, and yeah, thanks everyone for listening. And yeah, see you on the next one. Bye, everyone. Uh,
Hey guys, thank you for listening to Oddcast Movies, Music and Gaming. If you want to get in touch with us or get a movie, album or game put on our list to discuss, then email us at oddcastoddballs at gmail.com or a newwinterpodcast at gmail.com. This is part of a New Winter Podcast Network, so head on over to newwinter.net to check out our other shows. You can also follow us on Instagram at a new winter, Twitter at a new winter, and you can head on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash a new winter. Thanks for listening and see you again soon. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.